Welcome to Frickity Frack. We do talk back. Thank you for joining us in this episode. Hello, my name is Jeff and I'm Frick. Hello, my name is Patrick and I'm Frack. Frickity Frack, We Do Talk Back is a show where we will discuss different aspects of fandom and how they relate to the gospel. And uh, we are starting uh, the Disney Plus series, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and connecting lessons from each episode to teachings in the Bible. And just as many of you are, we're also fans of other things as well. So when we finish Obi-Wan, we will go in a different direction and look at anything ranging from anime, comics, video games, movies, or other things that we're fans of. And we got the name of the show from our father who dubbed us Frick and Frack since we were kids. Uh, so Jeff, you know, we've, we've talked before because we covered the um, uh, Star Wars A New Hope. We talked a little bit about Star Wars. So um, why are we wanting to do Obi-Wan now? Well, honestly, part of it is because uh, it's, you know, as much as I would love to tackle the prequel trilogy, uh, I don't know if I would necessarily have a whole lot of nice things to say about it. <laughs> however, however, one of the true shining spots in the prequel trilogy is Ewan McGregor. Ewan McGregor is absolutely phenomenal throughout the entire uh, uh, prequel trilogy. And I'm not opposed to tackling the prequel trilogy because um, there is actually some good stuff in it. And it's better than people give it credit for. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, one of the shining spots is Ewan McGregor's performance of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, Ewan, you can tell, uh, has a very genuine love for the character. Um, so genuinely speaking, I'm always excited to cover anything where the people that are involved with it are actually genuinely excited to do it. You know, cause there, there are definitely some times where you can kind of pick up on when you, when you're watching people involved with the product, with a the project, they don't, they're doing it for the money. You know, they're doing it because they were, they needed to, um, to fulfill like a contractual obligation, uh, any sorts of number Advance of things, their career, enhance their career, that sort of thing. And any possible scenario like that, but you can tell Ewan McGregor has a genuine love for Obi-Wan Kenobi. And I don't know if he necessarily had a huge love for the character before doing Phantom Menace, but his love for the character definitely grew after the trilogy. And one of the things that's been really cool is that you can, they, when they were doing, when him and Hayden Christensen were doing some interviews and some press for the coming show, uh, one of the things that uh, both Ewan and Hayden spoke about is that maybe the prequel trilogy was just done too soon uh, because there's been such a huge outpouring of love directed towards both of them uh, since, you know, now there were, oh my goodness, 15, well, no, more than that. It's been more than 20, been more than 20 years since the Phantom Menaces came out. Um, And and so many people show, telling them and, and you know sell, telling them how great they how much they love those movies and that sort of stuff and you know don't get us wrong pat you know you and i we we saw phantom menace at least three times in the movie theaters uh but of course we were also you know in elementary school i think when it first came out either that or middle was school. middle school middle school yeah um 
And so we were, you know, and again, we were well swamped into the world of Star Wars. So, you know, I didn't know what a good movie was. Yeah. Um, well, then we we determined mostly, you know, I, I remember that basically my favorite Star Wars movie was determined by whichever had the best lightsaber fights. And yeah. so, uh, so for the longest time, it was Return of the Jedi because that was the one that had, in my opinion, was the best, you know, lightsaber battle until Phantom Menace came along. I was like, oh, Phantom Menace is my new favorite. And then someone pointed out, I was like, you do know that movie stinks, right? I'm like, what? So I watched it again. I was like, oh my gosh, it does stink. <laughs> um, now, don't get me, now, don't get me started about Attack of the Clones, though. Um, yeah. Anyway, so this is like, and so for me, it's the same reason. Basically, all the the nicest things that we can say about the prequel trilogy would is basically all going to be the nice things that we're going to say in the Obi Wan series because they they'll generally center around Ewan McGregor, um, uh, Ian McDermott as Palpatine. He's fantastic in the prequel trilogy. Um, anytime he's on screen, is he's great. Uh, Ewan McGregor's always great. Um, but a, a, anyway, so and so I, I agree that you know this is basically us going to be covering the prequels for now. Um, yeah, uh, I will say this. You know, one of one of the funny things that when I think about how much love the prequels have been getting recently, um, it's, it's because people have realized that the prequels have a, co- a cohesive story and it's being compared to the sequel trilogy that right. does not have a cohesive story. Right. And so that's, what's making a lot of the love for the prequel trilogy come out. They're like, Oh, well, this is what it's like when it's a singular vision, because even, yeah even a little bit in the original trilogy, there's a little bit of a, a change a bit because George Lucas doesn't direct empire and return of the Jedi. I don't know. He's heavily. I thought he directed return of the Jedi, but I know he didn't direct. Uh -uh. Empire. No, it was um, Marquand. I think uh, directed Jedi. He didn't, he didn't direct a star Wars film again until Phantom Menace. Yeah, because he he was too busy being the producer and um, special effect doing dealing with special effects and things like that, and being the story writer, um, right? So, yeah, and we and I don't I don't want to get into the time that it would you know we don't I don't want to spend the time dealing with all of the issues of the sequel trilogy because there's a lot of them. Yeah, uh, I will I will say this in in terms of the sequel trilogy, if the sequel trilogy hadn't sucked overall force awakens might have been might have overtaken empire strikes back in my opinion as the best star wars movie because mm-hmm. you got you got to take last jedi and rise of skywalker out of your brain for a second and remember the force awakens the force awakens was amazing it was a very well done movie it was in- engaging it set up intrigue well, I'm all right. So I'm going to cover it right now. I'm going to cover it and and sum it up. Just not get into the minutia. That's what's uh, all this intrigue was set up. Great stories, great characters, and interesting characters were set up. And then Last Jedi happened, and all that was thrown out. 
and made irrelevant. And so, like, really, in all honesty, if you want to watch the sequel trilogy, just forget the second movie. Just don't watch Last Jedi. You won't really lose anything. You yeah, really it, won't miss anything. The Rise of Skywalker was basically designed to retcon the Last Jedi completely. Yeah. Um, but anywho, um, uh, so I'm pretty sure we shared this when we covered Star uh, A New Hope. But Obi Wan Kenobi is my favorite Star Wars character, and it's because of Ewan McGregor. Um, don't get me wrong, love Alec Guinness, love the work that he did. Uh, but Ewan McGregor is what made me love Obi Wan. And so the fact that he was getting his own series, they brought Ewan McGregor. They can they got Ewan McGregor back. Then they got Hayden Christensen back to play Anakin. Um, uh, we're not spoiling anything because this was all press release before the first episode even came out. <laughs> but just as a reminder, we are going to spoil things. So if you haven't watched Obi-Wan yet, uh, we will be covering things in, in review. So um, before we get to the plot synopsis, pause and then, you know, come back and listen to the show. All right. So plot synopsis. Uh, so- this first episode, and actually was one of the things that I liked about this, is that each of the episodes is labeled part blank, just like how the eventual numbering became with the show itself, uh, or the the Star Wars movies, part one, episode one, episode two, yada, yada, yada. Uh, so this there's all just part one. Uh, so part one, the episode opens with the, uh, we're seeing a flashback scene of the Jedi Temple, being attacked on Coruscant due to Order 66. A Jedi Master is seen training younglings and is killed by the clone troopers. The younglings look at each other unsure of what to do and they decide to run. We jump forward 10 years after the fall of the Republic on, and we are now on Tatooine. The Grand Inquisitor arrives with the fifth brother and third sister in search of a Jedi. The Inquisitor states the Jedi can't help themselves. That is why they are so easy to track. Because the Jedi code is like an itch. The third sister attacks a local and causes the hidden Jedi to reveal himself. The Jedi declares that you are wasting your time. You will be unable to find us all. The, the third sister goes in for the kill, even though the order is to interrogate him. The Grand Inquisitor stops her as the fifth brother chases the Jedi, and the third sister says they shouldn't be chasing after these scraps. She wants to go after Kenobi. The Grand Inquisitor tells her to forget Kenobi. Obi-Wan is seen working in a butcher plant, and uh, he does appear to be rather defeated. He has a very um, melancholy attitude. As a for, um, as is revealed, the foreman that he works for is taking advantage of the workers. Obi-Wan, it, has, it is revealed that he's been living in a cave. He does some dealing with some Jawas, and one of the items he purchases an actual is actually one of his own items that the Jawas stole from him. Obi-Wan has a nightmare involving Anakin. Padme's words of Anakin still having good in him echoes throughout the dream. Obi-Wan goes to check on Luke in the morning, and when Luke is supposed to be doing chores, he is seen playing and acting like a pilot. Obi-Wan leaves a toy for Luke before heading out uh, for dinner that evening. Uh, oh, correction. Obi-Wan leaves a toy for Luke before heading out during the evening. 
Uh, Obi-Wan is found by the Jedi from earlier. Obi-Wan says you have him mistaken for somebody else. Uh, the Jedi named the, the Jedi whose name is Nari doesn't give up. He seeks help and advice. Obi-Wan eventually relents, uh, but only has little advice or help to give. His advice is get rid of his lightsaber and leave. They lost the fight and the time of the Jedi is over. We now are on Alderaan where Leia is found dodging responsibility by playing out in the woods and Leia's mother retrieves her from the forest. We are shown that a mysterious figure is lurking in the forest. Obi-Wan is confronted by Owen Lars, Luke's uncle. He tells Obi-Wan to stay away from Luke. Obi-Wan reminds him that when Luke is old enough, he needs to be trained. Owen reminds him that he failed with Luke's father and he won't let him make the same mistake twice. The fifth brother and third sister are continuing their search for the Jedi. The third sister threatens Owen and his family's life for information on the Jedi. The fifth brother intervenes and they leave to the third, the third sister's disgust. Leia and her parents host a party that, that includes their extended family. Leia gets into an argument with her cousin. And instead of apologizing to her cousin, she runs out into the forest and gets kidnapped by the mysterious figure in the forest. Bail Organa reaches out to Obi-Wan to find Leia. Obi-Wan states he can't find her. He's not who he used to be. And he has a responsibility to the boy. In town, the Jedi Nari is found dead hanging from a building. Obi-Wan, when Obi-Wan returns to his cave, he finds Bail waiting for him in his cave. Bail makes an additional plea to find Leia. So Obi-Wan does retreat, go out to the desert, find his lightsaber. And it is also revealed that the third sister is the one who has hired the kidnappers. So this is uh, the live action debut of the Inquisitors. Uh, So we see the Grand Inquisitor. uh, Then uh, Reva is third sister. And then the other person there is listed as fifth brother um and so those are the three inquisitors that we've seen um and that's their kind of their first debut with that and then i guess really the only other real big first debut is lola the droid which is a little droid that is with leia fun story about the name for lola um Carrie Fisher used to have a bird as a kid and her bird's name was Lola. And so they named the droid Lola in honor of that. Uh, yeah. So that's just a little, a fun little, fun little tidbit there in case you hadn't seen that or heard that. Um, yeah. That's why the bird, the droid's name is Lola is that it's named for Carrie Fisher's uh, pet bird. Uh, uh, they definitely want to, they are definitely trying to honor Carrie as best they can. Uh, and so I definitely respect that, you know, especially since um, Carrie has passed on, passed away. Uh, and the fact that they are honoring her that way, you know, and, the, and trying to and trying to give her respect. Uh, and hopefully they do the same with, you know, they try and show Mark Hamill the same respect. Although obviously at this time, uh, Mark Hamill is still alive. Um, but hopefully they, um, with the way, with what they do with uh, Luke, that they hopefully they uh, honor Mark as well, and I'm sure they will. They're they're very meticulous about that. Uh, you know, like even you know, like you can hear 
you can hear some interviews with Ewan McGregor that, you know, like the way that he speaks as Obi-Wan is not his normal voice. Like he, he's all, he alters the way that he talks because he tries to match, um, not necessarily do like an impersonation of Alec Guinness, but he tries to kind of match him a little bit in terms of the way that he speaks. Uh, yeah. I, I remember seeing in interviews and, and things that Ewan McGregor said he had to relearn his Obi-Wan voice uh, because he, he hadn't had to do it in, uh, you know, 20 years, uh, almost. Yeah. Revenge of the Sith came out in 04. 05. 05. Sorry. Uh, oh, and I did forget this. Uh, I think this is the first time we see Bale's wife, uh, Leia's adoptive mother. I don't think I remember seeing her. In no. Uh, yeah. She wasn't, she wasn't in any of the pre trilogy. Um, so yeah, this yeah. is the introduction of uh, Bale's wife. Yeah, uh, and and I'm I can't believe I'm blanking on her, but I know I she's one of those character actors that uh, is you know is in an episode or two of everything, and uh, I've always liked her in whatever she's in. I remember because I've seen yeah, her. She, right. Yeah, she is her. definitely a good actress. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I I don't know her name offhand, but I, yeah, you're right. She is. She does. She's a she's a busy actress. She get uh, she shows up and she'll usually be in a TV show once or twice if she's not a, a regular character. And um, but yeah, no, absolutely phenomenal. Uh, and it's great to see Jimmy Smith's back as mm-hmm. Bail Organa. Uh, and also great to see the actor for Owen Lars is back as well. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, so they definitely uh, wanted to honor the the prequel trilogy and have the actors come back and oh and i'll and i'll tell you i don't know his name offhand but the guy that plays owen lars again playing the very protective uncle not wanting to make sure that his his somebody that he's been entrusted their life gets into any trouble he does an absolutely phenomenal job in this first episode um of portraying that and then also you know when you watch a new hope you can you can see Owen has animosity towards Obi-Wan and the fact that he has that now and does a very good job showing that um, is it's, it's very good. Uh, he, does yeah, a, he, absolutely. Does, he does an absolutely phenomenal job. And this is also good on the, the actor. Like when you, if you remember, you know, because he shows up and he only speaks in attack of the clones. Cause he, I don't, he doesn't talk at all during revenge of the Sith. Uh, but when you w- listen to him, he's got this young kind of voice because he's young at the time. But now, I don't know if he, you know, if, you know. Obviously, he's aged since then. But he he sounds like the voice of someone who was a hardworking moisture farmer on a desert planet, and his voice is significantly different from beforehand. Now, I don't know if it's just because he's a smoker or something like that, but whatever he did, I really believed time has passed since the last time we heard him spoke, speak, and uh, and his demeanor changed. Like he, he he did a great job, just like you were saying. He did a, the the actor for Owen Lars did a great job uh, in this. Uh, one of the things that I I really like about um, this episode was that we got to see order 66 a a little bit more 
unfortunately it was with some of the, the creepy things but it, one of the things that i did appreciate was that it helped show that for the most part well at least in the temple anyways that the jedi were fighting back and were and were being successful what what did them in was either uh darth vader coming in and, and taking a jedi out or the clone troopers just overwhelming an individual jedi Right. Uh, because in Revenge of the Sith, it's you know it's easy, you know it's easy peasy, and no uh, nothing happened. Like the the Jedi really didn't do anything, but this gets to show the Jedi, you know, taking on the clone troopers and doing a good job with that. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, you know, it's like it doesn't matter how good of a fighter you are or how strong your connection is to the force. At some point, there is a number which you can't handle it on your own. You know, and that's how any that's how any fighter will tell you. It's like, you know, it's like I I might, you know, it's like a you know good fighter, you know, in real life, it's like yeah, I might be able to take on three people or whatever. But you know, it's just like after so long, it's like one, it's just like they don't have to fight as hard as I do. And so, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it, I, it was good to see that. Uh, um, and it, you know, it was unfortunate that some of the Jedi might've lived if they weren't protecting younglings, but again, it's who the Jedi are. They're protectors. Yeah. Um, and so and it's one of the things that I really like about, you know, when the grand inquisitor f- first shows up and he goes to that little tavern um, and he starts talking to the owner and he's just like, you know, the Jedi really hunt themselves and, you know, telling the, you know, it's like being laying it out. It's like, they can't help it. It's part of the Jedi code. It's this itch that they've got to scratch. They can't allow people to go to harm. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that he, you know, and uh, actually if you watch, um, find out some more of the backstory of the, of the grand inquisitor, he was actually a temple guard. Uh, so he is a Jedi, or he was a Jedi. Yeah. Uh, but that's all. That's all canon. That's all stuff that you would know that you could know before Obi Wan. So I'm yeah. not again not. Yeah, not it's in Rebels. Obi-Wan. It's in the first season of Rebels that the Grand Inquisitor's origin and history is revealed. Uh, so and that show's been out for years. So also very good. The Dave Filoni animated shows are both really good. They are absolutely all three of them. Uh, all three of them. Bad Batch isn't too bad. I would have to say the Bad Batch is probably my least favorite of the three. Uh, but that's also, but also comparing Clone Wars and Rebels to Bad Batch, it's like, well, I mean, it's like apples, oranges, and pineapples. <laughs> um. So yeah, it was yeah. Those are yeah. Those are absolutely phenomenal. Definitely, definitely, one hundred percent worth your time. Yeah. Um, and speaking of the Inquisitors, you know, one of the one of the things I remember from Rebels was like just kind of how scary they were. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the Grand Inquisitor was, but when the gosh, do you remember what the Sarah Michelle Geller and the other person well, the he was the seventh she, sister. She was the seventh sister. Then what was, do you know what his rank was? I can't remember what the brother was. Um I actually was more, you know, 
I was always more nervous when those two showed up because there was two of them. Because when, you know, when they were facing the Grand Inquisitor, you know, it was two on one. Now, granted, Ezra was very, very early in his training. Um, so it was a little bit different than, you know, when the, the brother and sister first show up later. Uh, Ezra was much further along in his training. Uh, but I tell you, their character design did not translate well to the live series very well. Like the and, it's, and unfortunately, especially the Grand Inquisitor. But there's only so much they can do, I guess. But I mean, he had a very tall, narrow head. I mean, that's basically you just make him look a little bit like Kiadi Mundi. Um, well, I mean, if nothing, well, in all honesty, if you if you remember Revenge of the Sith. Mm-hmm. And when Ewan McGregor showed up to the planet where he fought, where he fights Grievous, that that alien that he talks to that greets him when he oh that's right, plane, I think is the same species as the Grand Inquisitor. Yeah, so, so it can, at least very very similar, very similar. So it can be done. Yeah, um, and so I don't, I, I don't know quite what the budget was for this for this show. Um, or if they were going for like a more practical, uh, like a more, pr- uh, you know, practical look, but uh-huh. like, I mean, even nothing, if nothing else too, like, you know, I, I imagine we'll probably tackle Ahsoka when Ahsoka comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and don't get me wrong. I love Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka, but the effects of her, uh, tales, I'm I'm not sure exactly what her species calls them. I wanted to call them Leku, but that's that's Twilight. No, yeah, that's not Lekus because it's it's a, it's actually a headpiece from my recollection. Oh, so, it's a it's a headpiece. I thought it's actually part of their species. I, so it's like a headdress. I thought it was a thing because so. it gets longer as she gets older. It gets bigger, and then yeah. when she gets and then when you get to and then you see Rosario Dawson and and it's just and again like people showing side by side of the practical effects of what Rosario Dawson looks like as Ahsoka compared to other, you know, like what they looked like in the movies. And so, um, but you're right. The, the, the intimidation isn't quite there. Um, like it was in rebels. Like it was truly, truly scary stuff when you, when we would watch rebels, um, and the Inquisitors would show up. But yeah, so it was really nice to see, uh, to, you know, it was really cool to see them uh, in live action. And then especially, like, their, their very particular style of lightsabers. We haven't seen them to their full effect yet. Uh, that's coming later. But their lightsabers are actually really cool. Oh, um, absolutely. And it's, it's a combination of, like, you know, it's almost like a combination of Maul with uh, throwing in Grievous. Um, with, with what Grievous Christ. could do with multiple arms, um, so that's just kind of like every, anytime I've seen them, that's kind of like what I've always instantly thought of when I think of the Inquisitor lightsabers. Um, and yeah, and, and um, but yeah, so one of one of the things that like was and this is you know kind of like in in the in the vein of of Lola the droid. One of the things that I really enjoyed was the toy that obi-wan bought for luke and um 
this is something you probably wouldn't catch unless you've seen Star Wars a bunch of times like I have. So if you watch, or, uh, or in, in specifically A New Hope, when you, when you watch A New Hope after um, 3PO and R2 have made it, have been purchased by, uh, by Luke's family and are now part of their farm, uh, when he's doing like a cleaning of them, you see Luke kind of like playing with this like model uh, air uh, model model ship, and he's just kind of playing with it. It's that same one that that Obi Wan bought him. It's the same one, and so that's just like something that was like, oh, that's really cool. So that's like, and it, and again, we know that Obi Wan has been for nothing but for the past ten days, Obi Wan has been watching over Luke. And so, just seeing that little like connection there. Uh, although in the sh- in this first episode, um, uh, Owen returns the the model ship. So either Obi Wan buys him, and or he eventually gets another one on his own, or Obi Wan's eventually going to sneak that one to him. Anyways, uh, we don't quite know yet, but yeah. uh, my suspicion is that he's going to give him that one again. Uh, he's going to find a way to give it to him. But, but yeah, so it's just, it's, uh, just really like, and again, it's just like throwing in little things like that for the super nerds, like my, like us, like, uh, like me and my brother, just, it's really cool that they throw in stuff like that. Um, um, so I did now, obviously we'll probably cover this when we get to Ahsoka and actually she does have Lekus. Those are Lekus The the stuff on top of her head are called Montrals. Um, for Ahsoka, so okay. So anyway, and it's not a headpiece. My my apologies. Um, well, I mean, she's she's wearing one because it's yeah. not real, but right. Uh, and I I have to say, one of, I do love that scene with Obi Wan and the Jawas and the Jawa, um, because good grief, our Jawas awful, and and that's one of the things I've actually really appreciated. Like when we first meet Jawas, you know, C3PO at Moss Island says, Ugh, disgusting creatures. And that's just C that's just 3PO being um snooty. You know, so you can't that's really not take the it. first time that we in Moss well, I know, but this is the first time they're ever described. Oh, okay. Um, you know, we can see that they're scavengers and things like that, but obviously there's nothing wrong with that because they gotta make a living. They have their tribe to feed um so but then between the mandalorian and then now this uh you kind of really get the idea that jawas really are awful because he's literally stealing parts from obi-wan and then reselling them and (laughs) this is my favorite part he was like and I can't remember the Jawa's name, but he was like, he says to the Jawa, was like, if you are going to steal my parts and, and sell them back to me, could you at least do the courtesy of cleaning them for me? And he's like, cleaning costs extra. I'm like, and there's like this pause. There's a pause. Like, what are you talking about? I'm not reselling you your old part. I'm selling you this part. And he, he, I don't think that, you know, obviously the Jawa doesn't understand this whole, I didn't steal anything. It's not my fault. I could take it apart and you weren't protecting it. Um, yeah, whatever I can, whatever I can find and steal is mine. That's yeah. I that's kind of the mindset that I get that they have. Yeah, and so, and so, and then he's just like, "What? If you want it clean, 
that'll cost extra. And I'm just, I just love that. And I was like, oh, so I guarantee you in a new hope when all the, when he saw all those dead jolly, he's like, good riddance. <laughs> all right. And so one of the, so my overall opinion of the series and uh, the season finale is actually supposed to be, will be, by the time, the time of this recording, the recording will be airing the next day. So we're recording this on a Tuesday. Um, so one of, so for the most part, the, the, what I've experienced so far for the series, I've really enjoyed the series so far. There's been a few things that I'm not so keen on or kind of meh about, um, However, there's one scene in particular in the first episode that has been much blind, and it is the fact that these hardened criminals could not capture Leia. Uh, it took them so long to capture her that it's actually kind of ridiculous. And it's just like, third sister, you probably should get your money back um, because this small child should not have eluded them that much. Now, don't get me wrong. Small children can be difficult to catch. However, they're not that hard. Yeah, and I mean, and she's ten, and she's the size of a six-year-old, right? Mean, which is fine because Leia is short. Um, yeah, but that is that is one of the things that kind of like made me kind of think a little bit about like because ten-year-old is like because I have a niece, we have a niece that's ten, mm-hmm. um, and she's I now and again it's all. TV does, you know, the way that people get shot in movies and TVs and that sort of stuff that, you know, it's all very uh, interesting because it's, diff- you know, it's, you know, there are all sorts of angles. Like Tom Cruise looks way taller than he is in any movie he is because of the of tricks that they do. Yeah. Um, but I can I can't believe that the girl that's playing Leia is the same age as our 10 year old niece. Yeah. And so anyway, anyways, um, but yeah, it just took them. It took three grown adults way too long to catch her a ten-year-old, uh, regardless of whether or not they're not familiar with the terrain or not. Yeah, I was about to say it's like her. The one advantage is that she is very familiar with this terrain, but I mean, the other thing is that there are stun bolts for a reason. You know, <laughs> you just shoot her. You know, with a stun bolt and bada bing, bada boom, you've got a captured princess. And oh, it just drove me nuts. Cause I was, I was like, here's, here's the thing. Like, you know, as I've mentioned before, I've got kids. Uh, my oldest is eight and uh, I played tag with them and all that stuff. And, and now for endurance, they've got me out the wazoo. But if I actually put effort in, they will not catch me when we're playing tag. Uh, I will be too fast. Or when I'm chasing them, they can't get away from me, you know, like when I'm actually running. So it's just one of those things where I'm just like, this shouldn't have been that hard. Or or they should have done a better job of, of showing how she avoided capture better, you know, um, but I, anyway, we could go on and on about it because it was just yeah. that frustrating. I mean, the, the only the I mean, the only other thing is 
as well. But again, they don't show this, but it's like the only other true advantage that she has is that she's a very powerful force user. But again, they don't ever really show her using the force in that way, you know? Yeah. And so I don't know. Um, and I, and I'll say and the last thing that I really kind of want to talk about as a shining example of something awesome in this series, and especially in this first episode is Jimmy Smith's as um, Bail Organa. Um, I know we talked about him that he returned for the role and that sort of stuff, but he is absolutely phenomenal. I, I genuinely, he's one of my favorite characters of the prequel trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does such a phenomenal job as Bail Organa. Um, Patrick and I were talking about this a little bit before, as we were getting ready for the episode. And I'll, and I'll say this, one of the things that I, I kind of feel bad sometimes when it comes to the way that Hollywood depicts parents and that um, generally one of the parents is like the quote unquote fun parent. And unfortunately, a lot of times that's depicted as the dad. Um, So it, it, you know, like, so the mom in this first episode is, you know, like, you know, chastising the daughter um, and telling her that she can't do these sort of things. And then the dad comes in and says, well, I mean, it's not the worst thing in the world that you didn't do this, but she kind of got to, and then, you know, connects with them that way. But they do make a point in showing in the episode that Leia has very much taken a very similar personality to her adoptive father. Um, and so, so I can understand that where it's like, okay, I'm trying to help. I'm trying to be, you know, I'm trying to get through to her, but I know she takes after you. So you need to talk to her. Um, so I get, I get that to an extent, but to, for me, what I feel bad is that it's all, it, almost always the fun parent is the dad is the dad, you right. know? And so that's, so that's my thing that it's, it's unfortunate that, that that happens, but um, I understand why in this scenario because they're they're wanting to show how she's taking after him, um, and I and I will say this: one of the things that I really liked is Bale calling out Obi Wan on his like, "Well, I've got to see to the boy." It's like she's just as important, and you know, and again, a part of it is a part of what unfortunately happens to Leia's growth as a character. And especially her time as uh, as a potential force user as a Jedi gets squashed because again that was not George Lucas's initial intention. I don't care what he says; it never it wasn't. It just was not his intention because especially when you look at it, the dialogue from Return of the Jedi and that Leia says like I think I've always known. Well, if you always knew that you were his brother, then why did you make out with him? I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm just saying. Anyways, so I do like that Bale called him out. It's like, well, why is it only the boy that matters? She's the same. She's the she's his sister. Um, She has the potential to be just as important because of the fact, you know, like because she's Anakin's son uh, and not Anakin's Anakin's daughter. Um, Well, and I I think that's part of it. You know, when we really think about like Obi Wan, is that he he sees Anakin again in Luke and that's why he fixates on him because he's like I failed his father but I will save his son and because he see because it's a lot like uh I'm going to cross uh 
franchises here, um, Series Black had trouble with Harry because, you know, Series Black saw James and because of his missing his good friend, he saw his friend in his, in the friend's son and Harry. And so I, I guarantee you that's a little bit what Obi-Wan is doing is that he sees Anakin and Luke and he's just like, if I save Luke, then I've saved Anakin. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I might be reading too much into it. Well, I'm I'm sure that I'm sure that's a lot of it. But I do like the I do like pointing out, I do like Bale calling him out. It's just like she has just as much potential to be the hero as he does. Um, yeah. and which is very true. Like it um it's one of the things that I actually really like about Ray as a character. I know there's some all well, sorts of we're not two Ray fans in, in this podcast. Yeah. And so like I do, I genuinely enjoy Ray as a character. Um because she, um but it, it's just really cool to see a strong female Jedi because you don't you we really don't get to see that in the live action movies anyways. Um we yeah. don't really see that a whole a, a whole bunch. Um you there are female Jedi's there, but they're not any focus of the story. Um, right. So Ray is the first Ray is genuinely the first female Jedi to get the focus. Um the the in all honesty for me like the real groundbreaker was actually Ahsoka. Um, mm-hmm. But again, TV series, not live action movies. Not everybody watched the TV series. If you haven't, you should. Um, survive first, the, survive, survive the first season of season one of Clone Wars. Um, survive the first it gets, couple. It, it gets so much better. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, there, after, and, and there's, there's lists online and stuff like that where they say, it's like, oh, well, if you can make if you can make it to season such and such in Clone Wars because there's seven seasons, um, then after that it's awesome and and I've done that with the kids, like to get them to watch anything Star Wars it has to be like either Clone Wars or Rebels, um, and so going through Clone Wars with them I was like oh yeah, this is not good and, and the thing is that the regular episodes were fine it's they would sprinkle in a Jar Jar episode or a Padme episode, and they're just the worst is when it was a Jar Jar and Padme episode. Oh yeah, Ooh, yeah, those yeah. are rough. But yeah, so again, you can find those ones, and you can also find ones that are like like the top notch ones, like because there's like even like near the end of the first season, like there's some ones that are like really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also like if you're wanting to see some of the characters that are making live action debuts you know like cad bane uh, made his debut in the book of boba fett um and then bo katan uh she made a debut and she made her live action debut in the mandalorian and ahsoka making her live action debut in the mandalorian as well um so there's just you know like you can see like key episodes for them and that sort of stuff look up those lists i highly recommend it but anyways so um, back to back to Obi Wan again. This is the problem when we do Star Wars is that we knows we love Star Wars so much we will chase rabbit holes. So um, if you want to chase rabbit holes, uh, rabbit trails, and, and you know all that's all the all these different tangents, listen to our podcast as we continue to talk about Obi Wan uh, for the rest of the series, and we'll cover the rest of them. 
because we will do it. It's just it's, it's just a matter of time. Uh, yeah. We will we will chase these changes because again the start uh, and and uh, in case you haven't listened to our podcast uh, dealing with a new hope, um, Star Wars was the first thing that we truly went full blown nerd on. Um, like we went super, we got super into Star Wars at a young age, um, and we di- and hopefully when you guys listen to our podcast, when you hear us talk about Star Wars, that comes across. Like we genuinely love Star Wars. Um, so, anyways, I love Star Wars than than most of my kids. <laughs> I'm kidding. Sorry. Are you though? <laughs> All right. So our. Um, our biblical theme you can find from Second Corinthians chapter one verses three through four. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction, with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So we um, this this scripture was chosen because this episode very much was a a ground laying episode and was dealing with a lot of different uh, issues and and things like that and uh, and for me with Obi-Wan you can tell he is very broken and he is you know he he's lost he knew he lost even though he beat anakin in the duel he lost uh and um and so with this scripture you know it's talking about how um you know god is a is merciful and he is he's a comforter uh and then so no matter what affliction we're facing uh god is there with us to comfort us and to heal us and so in this time where obi-wan is so broken and listless and confused and and his only focus is protecting luke that you know he he's in need of that comfort and uh, and, and guidance and, and bail provides that. And that's one of the interesting things that, you know, as, as Jeff had mentioned earlier about bail b- being this amazing character where he, you know, he's comforting his daughter. He's comforting her because, you know, his, her cousin is treating her poorly because he's being raised like a snob, like his dad. And so, he's parroting mean things to her and she's pointing it out. I was like, Oh, you're just, you know, you're afraid of your dad. So you're just quoting what he said and you don't really, you know, know any of this stuff. You're just saying what your dad said and, but it's still hurt. You know, it's still hurt her because she knows she's adopted, but he, uh, you know, he points it out. It's like, you're not even a real Organa. And uh, so when, you know, her dad, you know, the dad you're like uh, honestly if it wasn't a high society function i'm pretty sure jimmy smith would have you know beaten the tar out of that kid um but uh he doesn't because you know he's a good person i'm sure he thought about it uh but 
you know, he comforts his daughter. He's like, you know what? You're amazing. And you're awesome. You're just because you're not a blood organa. You are an organa through and through. And uh, that's all you need to worry about. Uh, and it's like, and it's like, you're going to be a good senator anyways. Um, and you're going to be able to boss your cousin around. But also with Obi-Wan, you know, Bale provides that push, that, that encouragement and that uh, guidance to pick up and pick up his sword and fight again, uh, you know, take his lightsaber and go and fight. Um, now, obviously, you can tell he's very nervous about um, holding it. And in the box, you, we also get to see Anakin's lightsaber is in there as well. Um, and so this is something that's so important for us to understand in this day and age that, uh, you know, God is our source of comfort. And so when we see people who are suffering and who are um, in affliction, you know, it is our duty as Christians, as someone who has received the same comfort and the same mercy to extend that to others and uh, uh, comfort them in their affliction. And so that, I want to challenge you to do that, uh, that instead of being like Leia's cousin and, and poking at people, uh, instead we should be comforting others and especially when they are uh you know facing hardships uh so get in the muck with them and and really really be the hands and feet in god in that yeah i don't really have too much more to say um in reference to um the spiritual nature the, the verses that we're re referencing here, just because, you know, you covered it pretty well, but, you know, it's like, it's very obvious that, uh, that Obi-Wan is broken. Uh, he is, uh, in a he's depressed, suffering from PTSD. Um, he's just in a very bad spot. And so, uh, and has been for 10 years for that matter. So he's been living it in a long time. Um, so, what I want to encourage you is, is that we all are going to, we all have moments um, where we go through stuff like that, where we're uh, dealing with, with things where we're down, where uh, we feel like we're beaten, we're broken uh, and that there's not really a whole lot worth living for. We all go through that. Um, what I want to encourage you to do is that when you are feeling like that is to find people that can encourage you, that can lift you up like Bale did for Obi-Wan, uh, made him believe that he was good enough to find his daughter. And in fact, he's the only one that he trusted to find his daughter. So it's something that I want to encourage you guys that you can, uh, you're not alone uh, when you feel beaten or broken or destroyed. You're not alone. You have seek out people that'll help you. Uh, if any of our listeners are like that, please reach out to us and we'll do our best to help and guide you. Um, and, uh, and just find comfort in God, find comfort and fellowship uh, and know that you're not alone. That's the most important thing. Uh, everybody, we all feel like we're alone. We all feel like we're on our own. That's not true. Uh, 
we're here for you. And so I want to encourage you with that. So, um, so Frack, how would you rate this first episode? So there's not a lot of action, but that's not necessarily a, a knock against it because the, in this episode, they actually do a really good job of answering a lot of questions you might have had about the time in between Revenge of the Sith and now. And I really appreciate that. Uh, so a lot of the guesswork and things like that that aren't clear are answered in there. But it's not necessarily always in a tell way. It's in a show way sometimes. Um, and so it's it's good. And uh, really the only character I don't like is the main is is one of the main the main antagonists as they've set it up in this episode is Reva. Um, I don't particularly like her character, uh, but not like a I don't like her because she's a really great villain. It's because I don't like her because she's not a really good character. Um, hopefully, you can understand the the distinction in that. Um, but other than that, I mean, I, so I'll give it a four um, because it it does slog. A little, but uh, it is very good in setting this up. And it, like, it's one of those things where when this, uh, when Obi Wan debuted, the first two episodes came out together. And that really helps this episode, um, mm-hmm. being able to watch the second episode and immediately afterwards. So, what about you, Jeff? What, where, how would you rate this episode? Uh, I would give it the same. I would I would give it a um I would give it a four. Uh Ewan McGregor really shines. Um the actor for um Owen Lars really shines. Jimmy Smith's really so- shines. Um uh and I I I love we got to see Alderon. Uh absolutely yeah, love yeah. that. Um, we hadn't get seen, we hadn't got to see Alderaan yet, um, or not extensively. Like we saw, you know, obviously we saw it blow up in a new hope. Oops, shocker, spoilers. Um, well, we already covered that in the podcast. That's true. So. That's true. <laughs> um, and then uh, you know, you see you see Alderaan a little bit when uh Bell arrives with Leia for the first time. Um and so you know, so it's it's um, so yeah, so those things were great. Um, the I like the Grand Inquisitor, but again, he's not as quite as imposing as the animated version, and um, so yeah, so I'm so far I'm a little meh. Uh, about the Inquisitors up to this point, I actually I actually kind of disagree a little bit with your assessment of the third sister third sister Riva. Um, I actually do kind of like her, um, and as we get to know more of her backstory, uh, we get to see we we'll get to, we're going to get a lot of her backstory fleshed out over the next few episodes. 
Um, you can also, if you watch the first episode, you can definitely jump to some assumptions. Um, but yeah, so I, uh, yeah, I really, I, I, I like her. I think I like her a little bit more than you do. Um, she's still not, it's still not great. I mean, it's like none of them are Vader, you know, yeah. like, you know, like Vader just strikes a certain chord, um, with you, you know, with it, with your presence. Um, and I wonder if it has like, especially when it comes to the sisters, like the fact that they don't have the helmets, like, um, they, they would in, in rebels mm-hmm. that like, I don't know if that maybe doesn't help. I don't know. Um, I'm not sure, but again, it, overall, overall, really good. Uh, it's a nice, it's a simple, it's a nice simple plot so far. It's like, oh no, the um, Leia's been kidnapped. She's, uh, you know, like her, you know, like we don't want to expose to the Emperor that Anakin's children are still alive. Uh, you know, like that's why you know it's like that's why he won't. That, you know that's why Bale says like I can't have anybody else go after her other than you. You're the only one that knows. Uh, well, other than Yoda, um, you know why is Yoda? Not, why is he not bugging Yoda? Anyways, so anyways, it's it's a really good episode. Uh, I really enjoyed it, and then I look forward to watching the rest, uh, going through the rest of the episodes um, as well. All right, so anyone with questions for us about the biblical lessons that we talked about in this episode or other discussion ranging from anime, comics, or anything in general, uh, feel free to email us at talkback at gmail.com or reach out to us on Twitter at FrickityF or at FrickityFrack on Instagram and Facebook. And may the, uh, know that we love you. Most importantly, God loves you. And may the force be with you always. always.